Pastor Steve Blummer. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. So glad that you're joining with us today. I uh, started a two-part series last week where we finished up Luke. And as Neil, Neil said, we're, next week we're going to launch into a series in the book of Philippians. And we're calling that a reset. It's really an encouragement for you to think about how you can reset things in your life or maybe encourage those around you and your influence to consider coming to church and being a part uh, of it with you and maybe things that God wants to reset in their lives through this uh, series. Uh, to kind of launch into that, we're looking at seven things that we might consider changing when we're looking for change. And sometimes God makes change in our lives, whether we're looking for it or not. And uh, we, last week we touched on three of them. One was changing your pace or at least embracing the season that God has put you in. Changing your place, being willing to go wherever God wants you to go, because we understand that uh, everything in this life is temporary. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. And so sometimes God says, go, and we got to be willing to go. And also changing your people by putting trusted individuals in your life who will speak truth and grace into your life, or changing your own person uh, to be the kind of person that you want others to be around you. So you're learning how to be more forgiving more loving, more respectful, more honoring, those kind of things. And uh, I mentioned last week, the whole goal of change is not just to make your life more comfortable. The goal of change is to learn how to love God more and how to love people better. So when you're changing things in your life, that should be your goal. If you're going to change your pace, your place, or your people, and we'll get into some more P's today, four more, things that you might consider changing, that's the goal, in order to love God more and to love people better. So let's get jump right into it. The next one we're going to talk about is changing your perspective, changing your perspective. And this might be the one that you want to consider first before you make some dramatic changes in your life, like your place or your people or your place pace, is changing your perspective. Because your perspective is going to influence your pace, your place, your people, all these kind of things. Our perception of things around us influences our activities and our interactions. All right? Our perception of things around us influences our activities and our interactions. How you view your life, your life existence, will influence what you do in life. If you think that there is nothing more to life than to do whatever you want, then that's how you're going to live your life. If you view that there is no God, then you're going to live your life in view that there is no God. If you believe and perceive that there is a God and how you understand that God, that changes the way in which you live. It influences your activities and your interactions with people. And perceptions often exist in our mind whether we realize them or not. They're always there. We might have perceived notions about certain people, certain people in our life or influences our interactions. Uh, our life group was talking about, you know, 9-11, where were you, all these kind of things, and you can look back and think about that. But then it's like, well, when was the next time you got in an airplane? And what was your perception, right? You begin to look around and saying, is that a terrorist? Why are they doing that? But, you know, you, you begin to see things differently because of what you experienced. And that's because our perceptions are formed through personal experiences. Hey, this happened to me. This is how I experienced it. Perceptions are through learned values. 
We get taught things either from our parents or from church or from school or whatnot. And also our perceptions are formed through interpretations and assumptions, those feelings that we get from those experiences. We experience something in life, we have these learned values, and we interpret those or have assumptions about those experiences and our learned values. Each of us could have the same experience, but then we walk out of there with different interpretations of that experience. And perceptions can change through new life experiences, new learned values, and new interpretations. All right, your, percepts, your, your perspectives, keep saying perceptions, perspectives change through new life experiences, new learned values, and new interpretations. Psalm 73 is a classic example. We don't have time to look at it, but I really encourage you to look at it. Psalm 73. There's a guy named Asaph, and he was living a good godly life, but he looked uh, at people around him, and he was really confused because he saw the wicked, and the wicked were prospering. The wicked was enjoying life, having a good time, and then he looked at those who were righteous, doing what God wanted them to do, and they seemed to be the ones who were poor and and suffering. And how does he equate all of those together? If we're following God's ways, why are those who don't follow God's ways prospering and enjoying life? And right in the middle of the chapter, in verse 17, he said, when I tried to understand this, it seemed hopeless. He had this perspective. When I view what's happening in the world, I can't understand it, and it seems hopeless. Until I entered God's sanctuary... And then I understood. Until he entered, say, church or God's word, heard a new lesson, gained a new perspective, then he understood. He understood that what was going on here in life was not going to necessarily happen in the future. That those who you know, push God away, those who were wicked were enjoying life here on earth because it probably was the closest thing that they would ever experience in heaven. And that was their perspective. That's how they lived life without God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, don't be transformed by this age. Don't be transformed by what the values and the beliefs and the interpretations and the experiences of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so you have to continually be in God's word, be where God's people are to learn new values, to learn new interpretations, to have those new experiences so that you can change your perspective. In Philippians chapter 4, which we're going to get into this next series, it says, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, If there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. That's what you and I have to put in our mind. There's a lot of things that want to fill your mind, to fill your value system, to interpret how you see things. And you and I need to have discernment and to think through those things and only put in our mind those things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable, changing our perspective. Well, changing our perspective begins with a willingness for it to be changed. Changing your perspective begins with a willingness for it to change. And you and I have to be honest. There's sometimes that we don't want to change how we think. We think a certain way. 
We've experienced things a certain way. We have these interpretations, and it is what it is. Don't try to tell me anything different. And this happened to many of the Pharisees. They held so tightly to the beliefs that they refused to believe who Jesus Christ was. No matter what Jesus said, no matter John the Baptist coming preaching to them, no matter their testimonies that they had, no matter the personal conversations they had directly with Jesus, no matter the miracles that happened around them, they refuse to believe. And so you might need to let go of some deeply held perspectives in order to change, to begin to believe better about someone that's in your life that you refuse to change because you refuse to change your perspective. Next one is changing your practices or your patterns, changing your practices or your patterns. Now, repetition has the potential to become positive routines or negative ruts. Repetition has the potential to become a positive routine or a negative rut. When you do things over and over, you create a rhythm. Positive routines create benefits in your life with less intentionality. You don't even have to think about them. You just do them, and you're reaping the benefits. The reverse is true. Negative ruts create hindrances in your life with less intentionality. You don't even have to think about them. You're just inflicting pain upon yourself naturally because you've created these negative ruts. In my own life, I think back, there's a positive routine that my and my family have created, and that's being a part of a life group on a consistent basis. We've been in a life group for nearly 20 years, and it's just something we make a part of our weekly schedule. Being in a group where we can share life with one another, we can pray for one another, encourage one another, read God's word, and just be there for one another. We've been doing it for 20 years. It's a positive routine in my life. I grew up going to church, and for me, it was a positive experience. And so it's something that I want to instill in my children of going to church on a regular basis, creating that positive routine. Now, a negative rut in my life looked like this. Last year, during winter, for some, te- some reason, I loved eating a bagel for breakfast every day. You noticed, I know. But I had this routine. I get up early in the morning, uh, wake the kids up, let them get ready, read the Bible, get them to the school bus, come back home, turn the TV on, and eat a bagel. It's just what I did. And then when Lent came, I said, I'm going to give up breakfast so I can spend more time with God. It was really hard to give up my bagel. So I made a compromise. Okay, God, I'm just going to do Bible before bagels. (laughs) And so I would spend a little bit more time reading God's word, but then I would make sure I had my bagel. It's a negative rut, right? It's so hard to change because we created this routine, this rhythm in our life for positive or for negative. And so our practices and our patterns, they need to have the long term in mind. If what you're doing now you were doing in five years, what does that look like? If what you're doing now, would you want your life to look like that in five years? Or what would look like that in five years? If I kept eating a bagel for breakfast every day, what would that look like in five years? Probably not very healthy. So maybe I need to change my patterns and behaviors now 
for what the future could hold. Imagine how much more I could learn about God if I dedicated more 15 minutes every day learning about God. Imagine what I could learn from God in a year, two years, three years, five years. Imagine what my life would look like if I spent 10 minutes every day just praying for someone better. Imagine what that would look like over the course of a year, two years, three years, five years. Right? The things that we're doing now, when we repeat them and repeat them and repeat them, can make a difference. Anything worth doing takes effort, time, and repetition. And when we look at the Bible, there's a lot of things in there about repetitive. Do this, do this, or this happens every day, every morning. Every morning, Jeremiah in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 through 23 said, Yet I call this to my mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Imagine what your life would be like if you woke up every day and reminded yourself of God's faithfulness. Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Every day we're reaching out to God, asking him for his nourishment, his wisdom, his guidance. Paul wrote to the Corinth church and he said, on the first day of the week, each of you is to set aside something in saving how God has been prospering you so that no collection will need to be made when I come. So rather than, oh, there's a need in the church, here's, we need some help, everyone come to, rather than always doing that every time there's a need coming along, set aside what God has been giving you, how he is prospering you, set that aside every week, and we'll collect that when we come or when there's a need. There's a routine because that routine really does make a difference. So your practices and your patterns that you create now do make a difference in your life. Next, I want to look at changing your priorities. Changing your priorities. We all have so many hours in the day. We all have the same number of hours to do things. Some of us, we have different things to do, different places to go, different people to talk to, and so forth. Your pace and your plate might be full uh, then other people that are around you in certain days and certain seasons in life uh, get placed upon us. Not everything is our choice on how things are prioritized in our life. If you've got a little baby and that baby begins to cry because it needs a diaper change, your priorities change at that moment, right? Some things are placed upon you. But priorities are primarily created by your values. Priorities are primarily created by your values, and that's why Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 8, what would it benefit you if you were to gain the whole world but lose your own soul? You, know, you think about your priorities in life and it's just about things I got to get done and things I got to do and I got to get, 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 and there's this and that and that. Well, what, what if you accomplished everything you wanted to accomplish but you, you lose your own soul? If loving God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and your strength is a high value, then it's a high priority. Think about what's important to you, or what you invest so much time and energy and resources in? Why do you value so much of what other people think about you? Why is that a high priority? The truth is that not everything can be a priority. Not everything can be a priority. And so our priorities should reflect 
our responsibility and God's ability. How do you decide if something's a priority? Well, you look at your responsibility, the responsibility that God's given you, as well as God's ability in your life. God has given you some work to do. He's entrusted you with things around you to to do, but he also understands that you have limitations. So in Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. You and I, we have a lot of things that we can worry about in life. Where is this going to come from? How am I going to pay this bill? What's going to happen in this conversation? We can worry about a lot of things. And God says, Seek me first. Seek my kingdom and my righteousness. And I'm going to supply everything that you need. And so prioritize me and my relationship. And sometimes God gives us those responsibilities right around us, and those become our priorities, such as like our household. Neil mentioned earlier in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the qualifications of a deacon and elder are people who are able to manage their own household. If someone can't manage their own household, how are they going to be able to manage the whole church? And so you have a responsibility to care for the household right where God has planted you. You have a responsibility to care for those in, in, in your immediate family. Same thing in First Timothy passage, to provide for your own family. It was talking about widows there, how, how the church can come alongside those who truly were widows. And then they began to say, well, you know what? We're helping all of these widows and there's a great need. But you know what? Some of these widows have families. Why isn't the family coming alongside and supporting those that are around them? You have a responsibility to care for your own family. And you have a responsibility to care for your own spiritual family. I'm talking about spiritual family early. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, Paul said, We must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at a proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. And so you and I have a responsibility to care for those right here at Hope Chapel. Right here, this is our responsibility, to care for our own spiritual family. And lastly, I'm going to encourage you to think about changing your pleasures. Changing your pleasures. God has given us a lot of great things to enjoy in life. He wants us to enjoy life. But sometimes you and I, we could take what God says is good and we can twist it and bend it and manipulate it and do all sorts of things sinfully. So sinful pleasure is fleeting, shallow, and never satisfied. Sinful pleasure is fleeting, shallow, and never satisfied. The whole book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, Solomon's writing, he said, I determined that I was going to do whatever I wanted and I was going to find the enjoyment of life. And he did all sorts of things. Anything that you can imagine, he chased after. And he found out that all of those things provided him with emptiness. It's because all of those things feeds the flesh more than it feeds the soul. And the truth is that our flesh, our body, is not going to inherit eternal life. You and I are getting a new body, a new glorified body. And so this body craves the things of this world while your spirit craves for the things of God. And so there's a battle there for your pleasures. Using for sinful pleasures or using for godly pleasures. 
And God wants us to enjoy life. He wants to us to laugh and have a good time. There's so many things listed in the Bible that you and I get to enjoy. Enjoy the work of our hands, to work hard, and to enjoy the benefits of that labor. But God has also created boundaries. Not to be restrictive, not to be a killjoy, but for us to really experience what true joy is like. Jesus came and he said, I I come to give life and to give it more abundantly. God didn't come so we could be more restrictive in life. And, oh, God, I can't believe you don't allow us to have as much fun as the wicked people and all those kind of things. But God has given us boundaries because he really does want us to experience joy. And that's because godly pleasure is lasting, fulfilling, and truly brings joy. Godly pleasure is lasting, fulfilling, and truly brings joy. Last week we looked at Psalms 1. So I want you to open your Bible just real quick in Psalms chapter 1. And this will be on page 472 in the Bible if you're using one of the chair Bibles. We looked at verse 1 as saying how sometimes we might need to change our people or our place because we put ourselves around negative influences. So we'll read verse 1, and then we'll read a couple verses after that. When verse 1 said, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams, that bears its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. That's the kind of life that you and I want, a life that prospers, a life that's fulfilling, a life that's satisfying, a life that feels it has purpose. And it begins by our delight being in God's instructions. And we meditate on those day and night. We're renewing our mind, renewing our perceptions. Renewing our priorities so we can experience God's greatest pleasure. Well, those are all seven, and that's a lot to chew on. And I don't expect you to change dramatically in many areas in your life, but maybe you're looking for dramatic changes. I would just encourage you to think about one or two of those that God might really want to change in your life. Whether it's your pace, your place, your people, your perception, your patterns, your priorities, or your pleasures. And so I'm going to pray, but I want to give you a few moments to spend time with God and ask God sincerely, God, where do I need to change? And I believe that God will reveal that to you, and he'll equip you to make those changes. So let me pray, and then I'll give you a few moments. God, you have given us some great instructions through your word about how to live just a joyous life, a life that's fulfilled with purpose, a life that can really know you more and to love people better. Those are what you called us to do. And God, there's a lot of things in our life that can distract us, can really needs to be changed. So God, we're asking that you would reveal to us as individuals what it is that you and I, what we need to work on. What do we really need to change? And not to think about what the person next to me needs to be thinking about 
of what to change. But what do I need to think about? So God, reveal that to us this morning. Just give you a few moments to spend time with God. God, you are faithful, and you are loving, and you are gracious and merciful. I pray for everyone here who's listening to your word and who's watching online, whether now or later in the week, that you would really move in their lives to think about things that need to be changed so that we will put your kingdom more as a priority, put your righteous working in our lives more as a priority so we could see the family of God expand, so we can see more people experience your love as you use us, as you work through us for your glory, through your power. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your people. Thank you for those who you are sending around the world to communicate that same message wherever they are. In your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.